up, everyone? What is good? Welcome to the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup. It's WrestleMania week. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. I'm very excited, as you can tell. I just finished watching Raw, and this episode got me hyped. This episode got me hyped for WrestleMania. I mean, I was already excited for WrestleMania. It's in my backyard. I've been planning all these things. It's finally here. I'm going to be at Crypto on Friday. I'm going to be at the Superstore. I got a lot going on, guys. I'm very excited. I'm very stressed. I am very overwhelmed, but I'm also very, very excited to tell you all of my thoughts right now on this week's episode of Monday Night Raw because it was definitely a good one. There was a lot a lot of good stuff on there. There's a few things I didn't like as well. I'm going to get to that. I'm not going to be too hard on them. Uh, but I am very pumped for this entire week. We as wrestling fans, this is like our Super Bowl. This is our uh, Oscars. This is our World Cup. This is our... Uh, you guys get the point. If you're listening to this, you already know. Um, but, but when Monday hits of WrestleMania week, I just... Just like something comes over me, something takes over where I'm just in a in a excited mood. I'm just in just walking on uh, air, and I don't even gotta fly for it this time. So God, not even do a travel woes. Sign me up. I think we're gonna be putting out a lot of content this week. Uh, don't be mad. I got a slight bit of bad news. Um, the episode. On Wednesday, I'm not exactly sure if out of characters are going to go up Wednesday or Thursday, but there is going to be a new out of character this week, and then a bunch more interviews after that that are going to be hitting your feeds throughout the weekend. So, don't get mad at me if out of character is a little late this week, just like a tiny bit. It's going to be a good one. I'm working on a big guest, so give me a little bit of slack here. But there will be a new episode of out of character this week. There will be lots of interviews coming your way in this podcast feed across social media so keep your eyes out for it hook me up with those retweets let me know what you're thinking of the content that we're giving you guys i want you all to live vicariously through me so hopefully hopefully we get you a lot of good stuff and you feel satisfied i'm pretty confident on everything we're going to be doing though man i've been working really hard for all of you to make sure that you guys are getting pumped up with interviews, so so keep your ears open, keep your eyes peeled on social media. We're gonna talk about Rob, but first, quick little bit of love I want to give to one of you listeners, and that's Bobcat three six four seven one eight six in Canada, who left a five star review saying, "Love it. I listen to the podcast while at work, and it's an amazing way to get insight on WWE superstars with all the interviews." And great roundups when you can't watch Raw or SmackDown. It's my go-to podcast. Bobcat, thank you so much. You're the man or the woman or the person or the whatever. You are my friend. That's what you are. And I appreciate you leaving that comment very much. It means a lot to me. Now, let's get to Monday Night Raw, which began with Miz TV kicking off the show with Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus, and Lita. Becky talked about damage control, making her life a living hell since SummerSlam and how she thought she finished them off at War Games, but that didn't happen. So yes, she brought in two legends to help her finally get the job done. 
The group were then interrupted by an angry-looking damage control as Bailey explained that she was sick and tired of all of this. Bailey then said at one point in her life, this would have been a dream for her to wrestle someone she came up in the business beside as well as two of her heroes, but now it's a different kind of dream. This fired up Becky, who went on a rant about how Bailey turned EO and Dakota into lackeys under her direction and how this can only end between them at WrestleMania. Man, this is one of those things. Uh, this was one of those segments that I just go, money, just chef's kiss, money all the way. If you weren't sold on this match before, which would surprise me, but if you weren't already sold on this match, this segment sealed the deal. First and foremost, uh, there was there was Bailey, and man, Bailey is just so good at this. You know, I just I have all. <laughs> I'm such a big fan of Bailey's work. I think that she is so good at what she does at all times. And she's so, so freaking talented at making the crowd react, which is not an easy thing. It's not easy to get an entire crowd of people riled up and reacting to what you're saying, or even more riled up than they already were when you started speaking. And I think that, that takes a true talent, and that's what Bailey is. Um, it's also funny too, because, you know, she's talking here about how in another, you know, at one point in her life, this would have been a dream for her. And she lists the reasons why, but you know, that deep down inside the person that's there, that's not the character. Um, this is still a dream for her. And, and, and this is something that means so much to her. And so to hear her kind of like flip it on its head and say, it's not, um, just shows the kind of talent that she has in terms of saying that so realistically. When you know the person behind that microphone truly does think that this is a dream come true, that she has a match against Lita and Tristratus at WrestleMania. Becky, um, Becky, you know, she just, that rant at the end, you could feel the passion. You know, sometimes I talk about Cody Rhodes. And how his promos just like make me want to run through a wall for the guy. Like I'm just like, man, this guy's got me hyped. I'll I'll, I'll back this guy and whatever he's doing. This is the man. This is my guy. Um, this promo here from Becky Lynch made me feel the same way. Where you're just like, God, Becky rules. Like when Becky turns that on. I mean, she's always fantastic. She's always so good on the mic. But when she turns that on, um, and just like has that 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 fire b- behind her voice where she's just like so passionate and so intense you just can't help but be impressed uh, by her skill and so i uh i man i was really hyped on this one this one like i was already invested in this storyline but now i'm like man i'm pumped for this i want to see this i want to see what happens between these two teams i want to excuse me these well, there's still two teams Six woman tag. Uh, I want to see what happens in this match, particularly because I wonder, and I tweeted this as well during the show. Um, and if you, and furthermore, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you you know I've kind of already been wondering this uh, as the months go on. But I tweeted this during the show. I said, I'm trying to pull up my tweet as I'm talking to you as I stall. I said, if Damage Control loses at WrestleMania, do you think it's possible? That this will be the end slash implosion of the group. And there was a real varied response to this. But my gut says if 
if they lose again in such a big fashion, I don't see them having the characters of Eosky and Dakota Kai continue to follow her lead. At this point, what Becky said will have been right. Following her lead may have gotten them on the roster, but it hasn't necessarily led them to the success they may have thought they were going to have under her tutelage. And so because of that, it wouldn't surprise me to see this WrestleMania be the end slash implosion of damage control. And coming out of WrestleMania, we get a feud between maybe all three of them. And then when the draft comes, I think you should draft EO to SmackDown and let her have a real world title, a women's title run. And, you know, Dakota, I think Dakota Kai is fantastic as a babyface. And yes, she's been really entertaining as a heel as well, but she's such a natural babyface that I don't think making that transition back would be very difficult, especially if she has Bailey as the heel on the other side that can really make sure that face turn gets done appropriately for Dakota Kai. So I do think that that's going to be a WrestleMania moment. The breakup of damage control after losing to Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish. All right, let's move on here. We had the match itself. We had Becky Lynch versus EO Sky, and these two killed it. Uh, it's funny how EO's character seemed to be fired up by Becky calling her a lackey, and so she kicked things up a notch. Uh, just really like taking it to Becky, and you know there was an awesome spot where she did a springboard drop kick to Becky where she knocked Becky off the top turnbuckle throughout the whole match though she just had that fire from her NXT solo days which it's not like she lost it but you know she hasn't been wrestling tons of single stuff and seeing her in singles action again did remind me of her for glory days in NXT here uh, and, I, and I've I've loved what she's done on the main roster don't get me wrong but you know she was great uh, in NXT uh, then Io went for a moonsault near the end, but Becky avoided it and hit the manhandle slam moments later to get the win. All of this really good stuff. All of this whole first half hour of the show really dedicated to selling that six-woman tag, and and they knocked it out of the park. After that, there was a video. Oh, this is this is part of the most disappointing thing of the night for me. After that, there was a video package on Asuka's history in wrestling. Highlights were shown of her epic NXT women's title reign, as well as her progression on the main roster over the years. And then her upcoming match at WrestleMania against Bianca Belair was covered. Now, at this point, when I was watching the show, I thought to myself, man, Asuka versus Bianca Belair really needs one last push on this Raw. Something to get the fans interested. Ever since I've, you know, I've already talked about it on here where I felt like the build has been a little lackluster. And the more I look on social media after that, I've seen that many people feel the same way as well. I'm definitely not alone in the camp that feel like this entire program has been very underwhelming considering the two talents that are involved and how awesome both of them are so I was like okay when I saw this like maybe there's going to be more later in the night so we'll we'll I'm going to get to my thoughts once we get to the later in the night and, and the next part of what we got here 
Uh, quick, wait. I'm doing a quick water here. I'm alone, so there's dead air. I have to give warning. One second. Okay. Much better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that dead air. Thank you for waiting for me. I appreciate it. We're having a one-way conversation here, and I had to... I had to lube up this throat here since I'm carrying the load for the two of us, okay? For me and you here since I can't hear you back. <laughs> uh, Seth Rollins spoke with Kathy Kelly after this about Logan Paul knocking him out again. Uh, before he could speak, though, uh, he was asked about this, but before he could speak, Mustafa Ali interrupted with a lot to say himself about why Seth should think more positively about being knocked out. Really trying to get this positive Ali character over uh, positively, positive Ali. I, I, I like it. I get it. <laughs> Rollins then finally talked about how not long ago Mustafa Ali was looking for a fight against him. So now he has his wish granted later in the night. And then we got Seth Rollins versus Mustafa Ali. Seth hit an awesome stomp variation out of the corner. And then a legit one in the center of the ring to get the win. After the match, Seth says, if you can't beat Logan Paul at WrestleMania, Logan isn't the joke. He himself is. Rollins then says that night one of WrestleMania is Logan's birthday, but they won't be serenading him with a happy birthday sing-along. They'll be singing his song instead, which the crowd did for Seth. So I enjoyed this. Uh, I'm not going to complain about a Seth Rollins versus Mustafa Ali match. I believe that this feud has been built up so well that doing filler stuff like this is totally okay. Um, I, I, so, yeah, I didn't have an issue with it at all because it really has just been built up so well. I was writing my predictions article today that'll go out on digital later this week on the Fox Sports website and app. Make sure you're downloading that app. Um, but I was writing my predictions article and... I said that this is the best. This the Seth Roll, the Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul build has been the best built program outside of the Bloodline stuff. the The build over social media, the in interviews on WWE TV, um, just really well done. So getting to see Seth Rollins warm up with a match against Mustafa Ali as he tries to get this positive Ali character over, I thought was. Was a good was a good use of time. You obviously need to have Seth Rollins, you know, doing something here since he's in one of the biggest matches on the show uh, from the Raw brand. And I felt like this, because of the fact that their feud has been maxed out on all it can be, um, I think this was completely fine. And I enjoyed the Mustafa Ali match. Then next. Uh, we're shown footage of Baron Corbin begging for a match at WrestleMania before being interrupted by Chelsea Green. This led to Sonya coming in and Adam Pearce ultimately um, ultimately allowing them in a match to get the final shot, to get a shot at the final spot in the tag team showdown at WrestleMania. Easy for me to say. We'll get to that match in a little bit. But before that, we had a weigh-in between Amos and Brock Lesnar. MVP took the mic before Brock came out to talk about why Lesnar can't defeat Amos at WrestleMania. Amos then took the scale and allegedly weighed in at 410 pounds. Brock then made his entrance, but rather than weighing in, he immediately took the fight to Amos. Brock picked up the scale to use it on Amos, but got taken down with a big boot. 
Moss stood tall in the ring with the scale in his hands after this as Brock shook things off outside of the ring and eventually walked away. I mean, man, I gotta say, you know, Omos looked damn intimidating just holding that scale like one of us would hold a bat. You know, like he was able to just kind of hold it over his shoulder as if, you know, it was that small in his hands. He made the scale look small as a weapon, which I just was like, Jesus, if I saw a giant man like that wielding a scale in my direction, I'd be very terrified. I also, you know, I think that it's not often that they show Brock Lesnar in a weak state like this in the build-up to something where he actually looks scared. It's a rare change from what we're used to getting. In fact, if you look at it, it's like the most baby-faced thing we've seen from Brock Lesnar in a long time. Cowboy-ass Brock Lesnar. Uh, sorry, excuse my language. Cowboy Brock Lesnar. Super baby face man now. People, man of the people. The people are loving him. And he's coming in to go against uh, the Ugandan giant. Uh, and he's, you know, he's he's in the buildup. It looks like he may lose that this man is too big to go against him. But I like that we're getting the classic build here. This massive monster heel against... The babyface who's Mr. America over here, ready to lift up the giant above his head and hit him with an F5. I'm excited for that, and I feel like having Brock actually look scared of Amos in the buildup only serves them both well. It makes Amos look like an intimidating figure for even after he loses to Brock Lesnar, because Brock Lesnar seemingly did kind of fear him, and then... Obviously, Brock Lesnar gains by this because you build a little sympathy for the guy. It makes you want to see him beat the giant and beat the giant he shall in just a few nights. So I like this. I was I was into this. Uh, we also got Rhea Ripley interviewed by Byron Saxton next. Rhea says Charlotte's legacy will not define hers. Um uh, and then says that she must become the biggest star in this inter- in this industry. And needs Charlotte's title in order to accomplish that goal. Kind of feel the same way I felt during last uh, week's episode of SmackDown. If you listen to that roundup, my main point was really just somehow the two of these people have switched roles here when it comes to babyface versus heel. And I'm not super loving it. And I really was thinking to myself here, like, they still haven't announced who's going to be in the main event of night one. But it felt like a lot of people seemed to get the impression that it was going to be Rhea Ripley and Charlotte since Rhea won the Royal Rumble. But at this point, in the final build-up to that, I don't know if enough has happened in this story to warrant that main event spot. Whereas Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and the Usos has been a months and months long story that has been on both shows that has the entire WWE universe invested. They even ended this show with with their story. And this just got a small interview. So I just don't see how these two are going to be a main event of one of the nights. I think we're all going to get what we've been wanting. And I think that we're going to get uh, Sammy and Kevin as one of the main events. Don't quote me on that. This is just my hunch. 
Uh, let's do a quick commercial break, and then I'll be back with the rest of my thoughts on this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. All right, back from commercial break, both on Monday Night Raw and this one. I hope you guys enjoyed those commercials. Uh, after the commercial break, there was a video featuring Finn Balor talking about his upcoming Hell in a Cell match against Edge. Um, okay, so if you listened to this podcast, if you listened to this podcast, if you heard my thoughts uh, last week on the video package they did with Edge, um, they were not positive thoughts that I had, <laughs> to put it politely. Uh, they were they were not. I didn't love it. I was not a big fan of it. Uh, I thought that it had a not cool... I just... I. You guys heard me. I roasted it. I not roasted it, but I just clearly wasn't a fan of it. How about that? I just I wasn't a fan of it. Um, so someone even called me out for this. I'm trying to find our exchange on Twitter because it made me laugh. Ah, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Someone basically said I had a bad take when it came to what I said. And I said, oh, it was at Shibby372 on Twitter. They said, oh, because, <laughs> yeah, this made me laugh. <coughs> Excuse me. I, over the weekend, I tweeted um, a tweet about, I, I quote tweeted someone uh, in regards to Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice being seven years old. And I said, we don't talk enough about how even Batman and Robin was better than this dumpster fire. And Shibby, at Shibby372, Steven said, your take on Edge's promo was a dumpster fire. <laughs> and I said, I was in a bad mood that day, LOL. And he just laughed and said, congrats on 100. But that made me laugh that someone called me out for my take on the Edge situation, that Edge uh, video. Uh, that all being said, I absolutely loved this video of Finn Balor. Loved this video of Finn Balor. Complete night and day situations. I used to love when Finn Balor did these. These made the demon awesome. These made Finn Balor seem like this uh, like this guy with this demon brewing inside of him and he would tell these you know, scary stories or whatever, and you'd see the demon flash. I loved it. I love everything about the demon. I think the entire presentation of Finn Balor and NXT was perfect. So good. Such a good baby face. You got this cool, good-looking guy, you know, who, who, who can wrestle his ass off in the ring that you can get behind as a baby face, but then... When the time calls for it, he's able to summon this even cooler character from within himself for special occasions where he comes out looking awesome and he wrestles like this unstoppable force. It was amazing. It was one of the things I loved about NXT. And this scene, the way they're presenting Finn here in this light, now doing it as a heel where he's going to be the, the demon was just so cool. You know, he says, um, there's nothing more dangerous than a cage demon. Tells Edge that he can go to his dark place and summon whatever dark side he can conjure up with candles. But Finn doesn't have to conjure up his demons. They live within him at all times. 
you just have to look closely. And then it flashed the the demon on half his face. I'm so hyped for this. I'm so excited for this now. I was just writing my predictions article and I was talking about the possibilities here in this match. Uh, I don't want to say what I think is going to happen yet because you you should read my predictions article when I put it up on Wednesday. But that all being said, this was so much better than what they did with Edge. This was so cool. This is like one of those few, you know, current looking wrestling promo videos that I want to see more of. I like this kind of stuff. I don't need it to be backstage, you know, just holding a stick mic. I I like when we get cool looking video promos. So I love this. Love this. I, I, I can't say enough good things about this. This is where Finn Balor looks best when he's under the guidance of Triple H. And that's what we've seen so far with him in the Judgment Day. But if anyone knows at a book, The Demon, it's Triple H. He's the one who did it originally in NXT. And I couldn't be more excited about this Hell in a Cell match. One High on my list of matches I'm most looking forward to on the weekend. Then we got that, that then we got Street Profits, Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus Alpha Academy and Viking Raiders. This ultimately descended into chaos, but during the commercial break, order got restored and the finish saw Ricochet hit a awesome-looking swanton off of Braun's shoulders and then Montez Ford to hit a twisting frog splash over Braun to get the pinfall. After the match, we saw Maxine Dupree watching from a backstage monitor. I don't have a ton of thoughts on this other than the fact that I'll say I'm happy that they've put some effort into trying to make this match something. Um, it felt very thrown out there last minute when they booked these two four-way tag matches with no stakes on the line, no real stories going into it, just kind of like throwing it out there to get some good matches on the card to fill things out a little bit. But I really do like that over the past couple episodes, they have been trying their best to really give this some TV time so that people do care in some way, shape, or form. But man, that Swanton and the Twisting Frog Splash, so sick. So sick. Uh, Cody Rhodes was interviewed by Kathy Kelly after this. Kathy asked if Cody put himself in a vulnerable position by accepting a match against Solo Sokoa tonight. Cody says he lives to be in this kind of position and talked about how he not only earned this spot he's in on Sunday, but tonight Solo Sokoa will learn he's not ready. And this weekend, Cody says he'll become Universal Champion. We'll get to more with Cody later in the show. But then we got the second part of the thing that I was just so disappointed by. And that was the rest of the build for Bianca versus Asuka. All we got was another video package on Bianca Belair's history up to this point, And then a little bit more talk about the WrestleMania match against Asuka. So two video packages. This feud needed... They, they This badly needed something else. It badly needed some juice. It's just had such a lackluster build for two people who have such amazing talent. 
I don't really understand why there really wasn't much of a build for their match. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I I just I, I've been so baffled by it. And there were other parts of this show where like other people got some time to build things up. Like, for example, next to this Austin Theory thing. And Austin Theory is not even wrestling some excuse me. And John Cena's not even on the show. Like, this I don't know. I just felt like something could have been done here to help Asuka and Bianca Belair. Because it's such like a lackluster build. And with the time that they had here, I would have much rather promo from Bianca Belair or something that 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 added some some drama to this match. That added some something to this match because we all know the history of Asuka. We all know the history of Bianca Belair. Why not tell us what the motivations of this new version of Asuka are? That's what we don't know. That would have helped build some some tension for the match. Why not have Bianca Belair talk about how this this whole thing this new attitude that it does make her fe- worried of Oscar. That it's not the Oscar she knew before. That it's not the Oscar she thought she was friends with. And now she has to be looking over her back because she can't trust behind, you know, over her shoulder because she can't trust the Oscar. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but like, I feel like both of those things would have been better than just a lazy video package on both of them. That frustrated me. I was like watching the show being like, there better be something else in these video packages. And then there wasn't. And I was just like dumbfounded. Those were big confusing points to me. That was a big confusion to me while watching this episode. Okay, I'll calm down now. Back to chill, Ryan. We're back. Sorry, everyone. Took a little detour there. Next, we had Austin Theory, who was shown cutting a promo from the ring earlier today with no one in the arena. Which... Um, I, <laughs> I okay. Well, hold on. First, I'll say what happened in the segment. So, theory says he's cutting a promo alone because there's no difference between him doing this in an empty ring or a SoFi or sold out SoFi Stadium because he doesn't do this for the fans or to become the next John Cena. He does this for himself, and he's been doing it since before anyone even had an opinion of him. And then says on Saturday he's going to make Cena believe in him and make it. And make everyone else stop believing in John Cena. So, I... It's not that I had any problem with the wording or the, the, the words that were being said. Or the idea of this all. But first and foremost, just we, we as wrestling fans... We watched way too many empty arena shows for way too long. When you see this, it makes you feel like we're back in the COVID era, and it makes you scared. <laughs> it like brings back bad memories. Uh, those empty arena shows were so brutal. Um, so, one, I think that we learned in the pandemic that empty arena promos 
kind of depressing. That's one. And and on top of that, you know, I asked Twitter, I said, what did you think of Theory doing an empty arena promo for the final sell on his Cena match? And overwhelmingly, people saying, like, good promo, but it just didn't make sense to do in the empty arena setting. And one recurring kind of comment that I noticed that I kind of agreed with was that having Theory cut a promo without any fans there in silence almost kind of reinforced some of the things that John Cena said to make fun of him when they met face-to-face. And it would have been nice for Theory to come out there and make the crowd react to him and show that, no, it's not getting piped in audio. He can make the crowd react because that's what he does. And and I think that he I think that this would have worked better with the crowd just going insane the whole time, and it, just raining down booze on this guy, and he could have relished in it in the moment. Um, doing it alone, maybe backstage it would have worked, but for some reason, just in the ring, the choice of doing the alone in the ring thing, I didn't quite understand. But the what he was saying itself, the substance, the. All of that I did enjoy. I am looking forward to this John Cena match. I do you think they're going to put on a good, great match? Um, I just felt like it didn't do a good job of making Austin Theory look like the guy who should be beating John Cena this weekend. And it's mainly because it was just in silence. And I, it, just, it, like, it didn't seem necessary. Then we had Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville versus Candice LeRae and Mia Yim. This was a quick one won by Chelsea and Sonya to earn their spot in the four-way tag match at WrestleMania. About what I expected here. Um, Not a ton to analyze. The match was very fast. Uh, I think that it's a bummer that Candice and Mia Yim aren't going to be on the show. But Chelsea has been really entertaining these last few weeks. And Sonya Deville also always entertaining. So I'm not going to complain about Chelsea and Sonya getting a spot on the card. Then Paul Heyman spoke with Kathy Kelly after this while pacing menacingly. He said, though he walks through the shadow of the island of relevancy, Cody fears no tribal chief because Cody Rhodes is not ready. Says Solo is ready. To weaken Cody Rhodes before his WrestleMania main event. And that he's not there to compete. He's there to, uh, Solo is there to give a beating and weaken Roman's opponent on Sunday. Heyman explains that Roman is willing to do what it takes to keep his place on the island of relevancy and says Cody has never been ready to fill the shoes of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, or be the man of this generation. And by the end of this week, after dealing with the bloodline, he's going to be defeated before he even gets in the ring on Sunday. When you disappoint the WWE Universe this weekend, be ready to acknowledge your tribal chief in the main event of WrestleMania. Good stuff from Paul Heyman, as always. You're not going to get a bad promo from Paul Heyman. Really playing up this main event with Solo. Really pushing... The the idea of Cody and can he actually accomplish his dream and finish his story. 
making you want him to do that when he says stuff like Cody Rhodes will never be ready to fill the shoes of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, or be the man of this generation, because as you'll hear later in the night when Cody makes his entrance, and they do that whoa for his entrance, it is a massive reaction. I imagine at WrestleMania it's going to be even bigger. I do think the majority of people want Cody Rhodes to win the title at WrestleMania. And when you have a villain like Paul Heyman on the other side of the ring trying to hold him back from doing so, it's always going to be entertaining. Paul Heyman and Cody working fantastically together. The the dynamic they have because of their history, because of their talent. I'm loving it. And I really enjoyed this promo with Paul Heyman. Next, we had Damian Priest versus Rey Mysterio. Before the match, Dom continued to run his dad down on the mic and showed the footage of Rey hitting him on SmackDown last week. Dom then went off in Spanish and later asked, what kind of father hits their own son? He also says he wishes Eddie had been his real dad and that Rey never existed. Brutal line there. You knew he was going to go for that eventually, so smart to save that for the go-home raw. Really hit Ray beneath the belt. Take you back to SummerSlam all those years ago in the custody match. Really enjoyed this. Like I said, I, said, uh, I don't know if I said this in a previous podcast, but I, I have been thinking about how I truly have enjoyed this feud between Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, but can't help but get a little sad when thinking about how much Eddie Guerrero being alive could have elevated this whole story. Just really missed him. Just such a great performer. And man, he really would have added to this. But the fact that they keep going there with him, it's good. And and that he's, he's starting to form his own Eddie vibes as he branches away from his father, I, I dig it. And, it, and it's working for him. He, he, The crowd is going crazy. The crowd loves to hate Dominic Mysterio. And so I'm really excited for this match. But first we had Dominic, excuse me, first we had Damian Priest versus Rey Mysterio. Priest and Rey tore it up in the short amount of time they had with... Priest seemingly bringing it pretty hard to make up for the fact that he's only, that he's the only member of Judgment Day without a big WrestleMania match this week. Ray eventually hit the 6-1-9, though, and then went to the top rope and got hit by Dominic for the DQ victory. Dom and Priest went to town on Ray after what the crowd booed him to hell. Legato made the save, and Judgment Day bailed from the ring. So, uh, Legato continues to be involved in all of this. I'm not sure how that's going to eventually play out. But I did I did think that all of this helped further the story between Dom and Ray. You know, you've listened to this podcast. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I felt like that it was kind of a stalling a little bit for a couple weeks. But now they've really hit the gas on things. You can really see how uh, they, they, they were trying to hold off on a few of the, on these last final things uh, so that they didn't, you know, get to the end of the story too fast. And I actually appreciate them for being able to hold off, but now those stalling weeks like make a little more sense so that we could really have that like big oomph in the final, you know, two weeks leading up to the show. And now Dominic versus Ray does feel like 
one of the most well-built stories of the entire weekend. Next, we had uh, competitors in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal find their names on a list on the wall that's going to be on SmackDown this week. Elias tells tells Boogs he's a lock to win this, but then a bunch of other superstars show up to make Elias regret saying that, like Lashley and Bronson Reed. Then we got Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens talking about their tag title match. They talk about how Los Angeles was the place where they made their way as a team, and now it comes full circle. Kevin says this weekend it doesn't get any bigger for them. The biggest tag title match in WrestleMania weekend history. And now they get to show the world what they can do as a team in the city where they first got their start. Now, if you're listening to this and you weren't a, and you, you don't know about their history, they're referring to their time at PWG in Reseda, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Both of those guys really made a name for themselves there as a team and obviously Ring of Honor as well. But PWG is also an important part of their story. So as a PWG audience attender, <laughs> I really appreciated how they did this. Even if they weren't able to specifically mention PWG, I thought it was a nice little touch to their past. A nice little way of making their win this, this what will, will most likely be their win on Sunday. Adding a little bit of extra importance to it. And now, when they win the tag titles, they can recreate that picture of Kevin hugging El, El Generico at his final PWG show before heading off the WWE. They can have a similar picture, but instead of being inside of a small lesion hall with only a small amount of fans, it'll be inside of SoFi Stadium with 100,000 people. That's going to be sick. That's going to be a nice moment. Wait, you can hear my voice going away. Let me take a quick sip of water one second. really tough to not be able to like have someone to talk to so that you know in those quiet moments when I'm not talking I can take a quick sip I feel like there's a lot of pressure to not have dead air when you're alone you don't care let me get to the next match Gunther versus Dolph Ziggler Dolph got off to a hot start but Gunther quickly took control and then after the commercial Dolph hit the fame master but Gunther kicked out and dodged a zigzag attempt afterward. He then chopped Dolph out of the air and hit a powerbomb, as well as his finisher, to get the pinfall victory. And after the match, Kunther said, this is the same fate, this is the same fate that awaits Sheamus and Drew McIntyre this weekend at WrestleMania. If you've listened to these podcasts, you know that I think post-WrestleMania, a trade is going to have to be made between Raw and SmackDown for Judgment Day and Imperium. Because if Rhea wins the SmackDown Women's Championship, she's going to have to move over to SmackDown. And I don't think they're going to pull her away from Judgment Day right now. But I could see a scenario where Walt Gunther also loses his IC title, which I've outlined here already in past podcasts. And then Imperium can move to Raw, and they get traded for Judgment Day. And we get that switch, and if Gunther's title lists, maybe we get Gunther versus Cody Rhodes as his first post-WrestleMania program. So with all that being said, uh, 
it made sense. If that were to happen, it would make sense to have Gunther and Imperium on Raw, the show before WrestleMania, to kind of get people acclimated. If he gets brought over post WrestleMania, the Monday, the Raw after Mania, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm just talking out loud here. I'm thinking out loud. I liked the match. That that chop out of thin air looked brutal. Uh, I would love to see a longer match between these two because I think they would tear it down if given the opportunity. Lastly, we got our main event, Cody Rhodes versus Solo Sokoa. The final stretch of the match saw Cody hit a disaster kick and then a Cody cutter and then a crossroads, but Solo got his leg on the rope. Cody attempted a moonsault after this, but Solo moved out of the way and went for the Samoan spike. Cody dodged it, however, and hit another Cody cutter. The Usos then made their entrance to distract Cody, and Solo got a close near fall. But then Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn made the save to take out the Usos. Cody then took advantage of the numbers being even at that point by hitting the crossroads to get the pinfall victory and end Solo Sokoa's undefeated streak in WWE. <coughs> Look it. If you're going to have Solo streak end to anybody, ending it... <coughs> I'm so sorry about coughing in your ear. I'm so sorry. I'm going to take another sip of water. I apologize. It's tough when you're the only one talking for 45 minutes straight. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. Okay, we're back. Um, What I was going to say is, if you're going to have your undefeated streak ended, having it end against the WrestleMania main eventer is a good person for it to end against because all this did was further thrust Cody Rhodes into the top of the stratosphere of WWE. He's undefeated. He's beaten undefeated person. He's <coughs> he's won the Royal Rumble. He's come back from injury. He's got to finish his story. He's got to dethrone the tribal chief. He is ready. He is so ready. He's going to take down two members of the bloodline this week. I loved it, man. Like, there was a story to it. It's not like he just lost on a random... Monday Night Raw via roll-up to Jeff Hardy or something, you know? <laughs> like, he he he's had this just dominant streak since being brought to the main roster, and he now, he lost it in a way that helps the WrestleMania main event, one of the biggest WrestleMania events in history. And there was this moment from earlier in the show where, where they did the Goodfellas parody with Roman Reigns and the bloodline, but there's like this weird foreshadowing moment at the end where Solo finally speaks. And he says to Roman, like, yeah, you are a funny tribal chief. And there's like this weird stare down between Roman and Solo Sokoa. And it made me think that that's, there's a good chance that that's the future of, you know, where Solo Sokoa might be going is a face turn and a feud with Roman Reigns post WrestleMania. Um, So, this could be the impetus for all of that. His first loss, he gets pissed off. He starts talking back to the tribal chief. Tribal chief loses his title. Tribal chief gets a Samoan spike. Place goes crazy. I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking down the line of, like, where it could go. And 
it seems to me like that's a possibility. But all that being said, um, you know, having Cody Rhodes end the undefeated streak was fantastic. Like, there's, you know, undefeated streaks can only go for so long. It's not like Solo is going to win the title. Um, so, at least not in the near future. So, it's good that they, that it was used to further catapult Cody Rhodes to the top, baby. Rhodes to WrestleMania. I'm hyped. I'm so hyped for this weekend, y'all. So hyped. So make sure you keep, like I said, make sure you keep checking back into this podcast feed throughout the weekend. Checking the WWE on Fox Socials. Checking the YouTube channel. Subscribing, following, doing all those things because we got a lot coming your way. I'm going to save my voice for a little bit longer because clearly... Uh, I'm I'm still at the very tail end of it getting better, but it's almost there. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna save my voice for a little bit longer. We'll be back with an out of character later this week. An awesome guest that we're doing it with. But like I said, because of that, it's just gonna come out a little bit later. So so just hold your horses. Uh, won't be doing a SmackDown roundup, but so much stuff coming your guys' way in the days that in the next week. I'm going to be pumping you with content, so don't you worry your little head off. Uh, I will be back with lots more stuff this week. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Sadden, and this has been the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup. Pew, pew.